0: Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. You know, as we near the end of this series, as I prayed as we got started, I hope that it has made a difference in your prayer life. Uh, And trusting that it has in mind. Uh, I, I think that's what uh, the Word of God is supposed to do for us. It, it changes us uh, as we hear and understand uh, things are different uh, in the way that we live this life that God has given us in His Son, Jesus Christ. You know, one of the sure evidences that you are truly a child of God. And I I want everybody to hear this. I think often professing Christians struggle with the the reality of their salvation. From time to time we wonder, have I truly been born again? Has God truly done a work in me? Am I truly a follower of Jesus? Is there anything in me or through me that would give evidence to myself or to others that I really belong to the Lord, that I'm a child of the King. You know, I think one of the sure signs, of course, that we've mentioned so often around here to others that we truly belong to Jesus is our love for one another. That's what Jesus tells us. If you have love for one another, uh, then you give evidence that you are truly one of His disciples. And it's important that we give evidence to those who are looking at our lives Whether it's those in our own family, our spouse, our children, our parents, whether it's our neighbors, uh, whether it's simply those that we bump into in the course of life, Uh, it's important that we give evidence that there is something that says of us that person knows the Lord. But I believe it's equally as important for us to get that inner sense that I know Jesus, I'm I'm a member of the family of God, no doubt in my mind, Uh, and, and this whole issue of prayer is one of those that I believe gives us that kind of inner assurance, and so what I was about to say as I began just a moment ago is that one evidence that you are truly a child of God is expecting and experiencing answered prayer. I think one of the reasons that we don't pray as often as we should, in answer to the young man's question, how many times have you prayed, I probably would suspect that many of us would say, well, not nearly as many times as I should have. And I think the reason for that, or at least partly the reason for that, is because even as believers, we often bow our heads, close our eyes, and begin to speak to God, making our plea, our request, our petition. And if we were really honest, We're not expecting God to answer. And if we were asked, are you experiencing regular answered prayer, we'd have to perhaps say no as well. But the Bible is full of assurances that when God's children pray, God hears. He moves in response to the prayers of his children. He answers us. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11, Jesus says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Sounds like we could go before the Lord with quite the confidence, huh? Jesus continued, by the way, he said... Which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Again, God is every bit as eager as any earthly parent to give good things to his children. Psalm 8411 simply says this of the Lord God, No good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. So again, let me ask you, do you regularly go to your Heavenly Father expecting Him to hear your prayer? And do you routinely experience your prayer being answered? You know, sadly, I believe most of us probably identify more with the words of a a little girl. uh, In a letter that she wrote to a foreign missionary, there was a a Sunday school class, uh, and part of their lesson on this particular Sunday morning was to write a letter to a foreign missionary. So all the little girls wrote, of course, to several different missionaries, and evidently in giving her class instructions, the teacher had told them that missionaries were very busy and that they might not have time to answer their letters back. So, this one little girl wrote briefly and honestly. She says, Dear Reverend Smith, we are praying for you. We are not expecting an answer. <laughs> that kind of sums up the prayer life of many Christians, huh? We're praying. We're not expecting an answer. However, as we're going to see this morning, the Bible repeatedly assures us that when we, the children of God, <laughs> pray, we will indeed receive an answer. Let's, let's read together. 1 John chapter 5, I'm going to begin in verse 13. We're just going to read down through verse 15. The words will be on the screen here at the front if you do not have a Bible John writes these words, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. It's interesting John, of course, also writes his gospel. And in John chapter 20, verse 31, he says this. He says, these things are written to you that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. So in other words, the gospel is written so that people might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing they may have life in his name. But now here in 1 John... As he writes to his fellow believers, he says, I'm writing to those of you who believe, those of you who have believed in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. The Lord wants us to be absolutely certain, to have great confidence or assurance that we are indeed children of God. And of course, immediately he begins to talk about prayer. And so I want you to know this morning that you can be equally assured that God answers the prayers of his children as you can be assured that you are truly a child of God and that you possess eternal life. So, here's the condition, all right? We've been talking about prayer for many weeks now, and and I think it's been stated on several occasions uh, that the promises of prayer that we find in Scripture are made to the children of God. They're not just for everybody. God indeed answers prayer. I, I believe when I was a six-year-old boy, lost as I could be, and I remember praying one time that the rain would come and, 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 and fall on my grandfather's cotton crop that was about to burn up in the field And and we got a letter not too many days after I had prayed that prayer from my grandmother, letting us know that rain had indeed come. And as far as I was concerned, God had answered my prayer, and He certainly had. So I believe that God at times does answer the prayer of even an unbeliever. But the promises of God, the assurances of God, the words that we're going to look at this morning, these words are to assure you, the believer, all who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that when you pray... God hears, and of course, as we've already discussed, the idea of God hearing means that he answers. He hears us favorably because we're his children, and he loves us. He has said we can cast our cares upon him because he cares for us, so he hears us favorably and moves in our behalf. But the condition of all of this is that we know and love the Lord Jesus, that we've been born again, that we walk in a relationship with Almighty God through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. That's what he says here. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. So first and foremost, John is saying that this assurance of prayer is for those who have a relationship with God, a personal relationship. And we've talked about that. Prayer is personal communication, intimate communication with our personal God, the God to whom we can come, according to Scripture, in all boldness and make our requests known to Him, a God that we have access to through the person of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who the Bible says is seated at the right hand of God and lives forever to be our intercession, our access to the Father. We can go to the Lord because we are in Jesus Christ and we have access continually, uninterruptedly As a result of this relationship uh, that we have with God, we, as the children of God, can claim these promises of answered prayer that we find throughout the scriptures. And then it's interesting here that John writes to those who have entered into this relationship with God I'm writing to those of you who believe in the name of the Son of God. So, in other words, I'm writing to Christians. And I'm writing to you that you may know that you have eternal life. Of course, God wants us to know that we have eternal life. I'm convinced that those who truly have eternal life know that they have eternal life. You know why I know that I've been born again? I was there when it happened. I was there when the Lord spoke to my heart. Really, when the Lord opened my heart that had been closed to him for 24 years of my life. God opened my heart. Something that had never happened before happened that morning, right here in this church in 1982. And Christ came into my heart and saved me. I have absolute assurance that I was born again in that moment. But God says, even to me, even to those like me, I want you to know that you have eternal life. In other words, this this assurance of prayer begins with this relationship to God, but it is strengthened as we continue to receive the revelation of God. You know, the reality was when I got saved on that Sunday morning in 1982, I don't believe I could have even quoted John 3.16 to you that morning. I'm still having a hard time with it. I knew nothing of Scripture. I had not attended Sunday school as a little boy. I hadn't heard, you know, I preached through 2 Samuel because I wanted to hear the message of David slaying Goliath, and I'd never heard it before. For many of you that you think, wow, that's crazy. I'm grown up knowing that story. Thank God you grew up in church. But all of us need to continue to receive God's revelation of himself. In other words, there should be an ever-increasing understanding of the kind or quality of life that we have in Jesus. You know, sadly for many people who claim to be Christians, if they were asked to give a definition of eternal life, they would say something along these lines, life that never ends. And of course that's true, but it's only partially true. Eternal life is as much a quality of life, a kind of life, as it is an endless life. And a part of that quality of life is this assurance that God gives us here that when we go to him to ask for his help, to seek his mercy, we get it. I'm convinced that if those of us right here in this room would would become fully convinced of that, we'd find ourselves praying a lot more. We'd find ourselves going to God a lot more, asking God for help. But the sad reality is, even right here in this room, there are probably many of us who, depending upon the day, just not all that convinced that God's going to hear us when we pray. going to move in behalf of what we have asked. But John... Therefore, God gives us absolute assurance if we are walking in a relationship with God, if we are growing in our assurance of who God is and just what it is that he has called us to, the, the kind of life that he's called us to, what we will see is this ever-growing assurance that when we pray, God hears. Not only does he hear, but he moves. Again, he moves in our favor to answer our prayer, to meet our need, to change us. So all of these promises that we've talked about this morning and in the weeks preceding, they're for those who believe in the name of the Son of God, those who have eternal life. And John says there's a confidence now that we can have. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life And this is the confidence that we have toward him. So in other words, if we know that we're saved, if we've been born again, then we can live our life confidently. And specifically what he's talking about here is having confidence in prayer. The word confidence here speaks again of assurance. That's what John is doing for us here. He's he's assuring us. He wants to assure us of who our God is. What is this life that God has called us to? And that when we go to God in prayer, we can know that He hears and moves in our behalf. So this is a a word that speaks of assurance. And, And when we have this assurance, and as this assurance grows from day to day, week to week in our lives, as we receive God's revelation day in and day out, then what we will inevitably find happening is that there will be an increasing frequency... In our prayer life. In other words, we will find ourselves going to God more and more often. It'll be the first thing that we think of when something comes up in our lives, something that we're uncertain about, something that we need help with, something that troubles us, some uh, tragedy that we need to be comforted in. We'll go to God in prayer with an increasing frequency. And then not only an increasing frequency in our life, but that word confidence is sometimes translated boldness or boldly. We can come before the Lord boldly is what the the writer of Hebrews says. And that word in that context speaks of frankness. In other words, we will find ourselves more and more confident confident to really say to God what we want to say to God. Do you ever find yourself kind of stumbling in your prayer because you're not quite sure you know, that you, you should say what you want to say to God in prayer? As we grow in our understanding of who God is, of His Word, of, of this life, this eternal life that He has given us, we will find ourselves more outspoken, uh, open. There will be an openness in our prayer life uh, because we'll know God better. I mean, same thing happens in our personal relationships, person to person. I mean, the the more we get to know somebody, the more open we can be with them, right? About our own personal life. We learn that we can trust them or perhaps we learn that we can't trust them. Uh, With God, what we learn is that we can trust him. We can go to God with anything. And so we have this Increasing frankness. And, and again, this, this fearlessness. You know, the reality is, especially when it comes sometimes to our prayers of confession, we're, we're hesitant to go to God, right? Fearful of what God might do if, if He learns of our iniquity. Let me tell you, one thing I can tell you with absolute certainty today, you're not making God aware of anything when you pray. He already knows as we will See. So this word confidence, again, speaks of assurance that will lead to an increasing frequency of prayer, an increasing frankness in prayer, and a, and a fearlessness as we approach God, no matter what it is that we have to approach Him with. Again, Hebrews 4.16, let us then with confidence or boldness draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. There is Nothing doubtful or hesitant in the words of the author of Hebrews. Draw near to God with confidence to that throne of grace. Why? That we may receive mercy, that we may find grace in time of help. When we go to God, that's what we find. Mercy. Grace. Help. That's the confidence that we can have when we pray, that we should have when we pray. So this is the confidence that we should have toward Him. And again, just that, those words toward Him, it, it speaks of, of, of this intimacy with God, this almost face-to-face encounter with God. We can go to God. I'm, I'm going to invite you at the end of this service to pray. And, and I'm going to invite some of you who might feel led of the Lord to come and pray with me. But the reality is you don't need to pray with me in order to be heard by God. You certainly don't need to come and offer your prayer through me or any other person in order to be heard by God. God. God will hear you. You have that relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. You can speak to him in absolute assurance. But, but here's, the, here's the requirement that's laid out for us here. This is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Oh, there's the catch. So it's not just anything that we can ask. It's anything according to his His will. Again, I want to assure you that what John is trying to do, what the Lord is trying to do through John's words, is to assure us that when we pray, God hears us. So when we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So here's the question. How can we know that we are praying in accordance with God's will? And I've said over the years, and I'm going to say it again this morning, that we pray in accordance with God's will when we pray in accordance with God's word. So many times in scripture, what you find, either in the words of the Lord Jesus or in the words of the prophets, you find these men praying God's word back to him. Let me tell you, when we do that, we're praying in accordance with God's will. Let me just give you a a, a, a simple illustration here. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 5, we are commanded to encourage the faint-hearted, to help the weak, to be patient with them all, to seek to do good to one another and to everyone, to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, to give thanks in all circumstances. Why? The Bible says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The more acquainted you become with the Word of God, the more you will know how to pray according to God's will. The Bible tells us what the will of God is for us. That's just one instance where you can turn and know what the will of God is. So when you pray, Lord, help me to encourage someone who's Who's faint-hearted, who's discouraged today. Help me to be uh, a friend who comes alongside to comfort that one. That's a prayer that is in accordance with God's will, because God says, encourage the faint-hearted. So when you pray, Lord, give me the strength, the sensitivity to encourage the faint-hearted, you can know that God's gonna, God's gonna answer that prayer. That's praying in accordance with his will. Be patient with them all, the faint-hearted and the, the weak. You know, a lot of people don't like to pray for patience, right? I hear people say it all the time. Oh, I, don't, I shouldn't pray for patience because tribulation worketh patience. <laughs> Our lives are pretty full of tribulation one way or the other, right? That shows you how desperately we need to be taught patience. But if you pray for patience, especially patience toward the weak, the faint-hearted, that's a prayer God hears and answers. That's a prayer that's in accordance with His will. Seek to do good to one another, to everyone. The scripture. Boy, isn't, isn't that a prayer that we need to be praying today? Lord, help me to do good to my neighbor. Help me to seek to do good for everyone that I might bump into today. That's the kind of prayer God answers. That's a prayer according to His will. Help me to be joyful, Lord, to always rejoice, no matter what I may be going through. Rejoice always, the scripture says. That's a prayer in accordance with God's will. Help me to pray consistently, constantly, continually. God will answer that prayer. Help me to give thanks in all circumstances. I want to be a thankful person. That's a prayer you can trust is in accordance with God's will when we pray that kind of prayer when we pray for our lives to be characterized by obedience to commands just like this we are indeed praying according to the will of God uh, so again as i mentioned it benefits us greatly to spend time in God's word familiarizing ourselves with all that he has said to us jesus even says in john 15:7 if you abide in me and my words abide in you ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. I mean, that's a pretty positive promise, right? If you abide in me, my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. A question that often comes up when we're talking about this, praying according to God's will, is what if we're faced with a situation or an issue that is not specifically mentioned in Scripture? You know, one of the most difficult times in prayer that I ever had was when I was praying whether or not to come and take a position on the staff of this church. I was serving at a church in, uh, in Fairview, and I had not been there, in my mind, long enough to leave. And yet, the position that I was being offered here was everything that I could have hoped for coming out of Bible college. Full-time. Wouldn't have to mow yards anymore. Full-time pay. Full-time ministry. A church where I could learn under the mentorship of a faithful pastor and staff. I mean, it was everything that I had, had hoped for. And, and to top it all off, it was the very church that I had been saved in, where my family was attending. I struggled in prayer, not knowing what to do. I remember calling one of my professors, asking him what to do. He directed me to James. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Boy, I prayed that prayer over and over and over again. Sometimes we simply don't know what the will of God is. There was nothing in Scripture that would say to me, James, you're supposed to go and take a position at Calvary Hill Baptist Church. Nothing there that said that. So what do we What do we do? I mean, Paul says in Romans 8.26 that there will be times when we do not know what to pray as we ought. I've encountered this along the way. There are times that I've stood at the bedside of very sick people and prayed. There's times I'm not sure what to pray. I'm not a doctor. I don't know what's going on in this person's heart or lungs or not sure what to pray. But the scripture says when we don't know how to pray as we ought, that in those moments the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We can always count on God hearing our prayer because even when we don't know what to pray, even when we're not certain of what God's will is, the Spirit who dwells within us does. And He prays for us. Or I guess we could simply pray as Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, my Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. That's a prayer that I often pray at the bedside of people who are ill. And there have been times in my ministry when it has upset the family standing around when I've Pray those words. We ask that your will might be accomplished in the life of our loved one here. I have been told that that's not praying with faith. If you prayed with faith, you'd pray, "Take up your bed and walk out of here." That's the prayer of faith. Well, that was the prayer of Jesus in the garden. Not my will, but thine, be done. Always good to have that attitude when we pray. So there are some things that we need to do in order to have this kind of assurance. But what John is doing here is he is speaking of the reality of prayer. And it's simply this, those last three words of that verse, he hears us. This is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And again, He hears favorably. He answers us. When God's children pray, God answers them. He moves in our behalf. He does not ignore us. He will either change us or He will change our circumstances. God loves us. He wants the best for us. He wants His will to be accomplished in us. As a matter of fact, the scripture says that His will will be accomplished in us. God will not fail in the purposes that He has for you. So when we pray for God to accomplish His will in our lives, to fulfill His purposes for us in this world, we can know that He hears us and that we have his answer in the affirmative. Jesus says this in John's Gospel, chapter 14. He says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. I think we've already talked a little bit about what it means to pray in the name of Jesus. Uh, And again, it's not just words that we tack on as a formula to the end of our prayers to make sure that God hears. To pray in the name of Jesus means to To pray dependent upon the power of Jesus to do what we're asking. And then beyond that, to pray that in the asking and the the answer, God is glorified. Just as Jesus said here, it glorifies the Father to answer your prayers. So that's why Jesus can say in Matthew 6, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. So seek first His kingdom, the kingdom of God, and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Do any of these verses lead you to believe that God is stingily or hesitantly hanging on to those things, somehow resisting the answer to your prayer or the meeting of your need? Does anything that we've talked about this morning indicate that that's the kind of God we go to in prayer? Absolutely not. God is eager to hear our prayer, He delights to hear us pray, He delights in answering. The prayers of his children lavishing his love upon us. that's what John is teaching us here. So the the conclusion of of the matter here. Look at verse 15. And if we know, and by the way, that is another one of those ifs that could really be translated since. That's the idea here. There's no doubt that God hears, not at this point. So we could really put the word since there, and since we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. So what John concludes with here is just a reminder of that as we pray, we pray in dependence upon God who is trustworthy. He's reliable, all right? We pray to a reliable God. If God promises to answer our prayer, let me tell you, God's going to answer our prayer. So since we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, again, we can count on God to answer our prayer. He is not going to fail us or ignore us. Again, Psalm 16, one, or 116, verses 1 and 2, I, I love these. Scriptures, I I, I love the Lord, the psalmist writes, because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy, because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore I'll call upon him as long as I live. The psalmist had learned what I am imploring us to learn this morning. God hears when we call. He answers when we cry to him for mercy and grace. He comforts us when we need comforting. He strengthens us when we need to be strengthened. He provides for us when there are essential needs that are not being met anywhere else. That's what God does. He's a a reliable heavenly Father. We can count on him to answer our prayer. And then beyond that, what we need to know is that that God is ready. There's There's an eagerness, a readiness associated with God hearing our prayer. He doesn't yawn and say, oh, here they come again. So needy. No, he's eager. We know that we have the request that we've asked of him. The idea, really, in this second part of this verse is that the answer is already here. We have that which we've asked of God, we don't have to wait for it. We have it. And of course, John uses that word no. We know. We know that He hears us. We know that we have the request that we've asked of Him. That word know, of course, means to know absolutely. To know with certainty. We know that He hears. Absolutely. We are certain that we have the request that we have asked of Him. That's how we should approach God in prayer. When we pray, we should be assured of an answer. You know, thankfully, we are not like the people that this man who was traveling in China observed. Uh, He was on a tourist bus that stopped at this beautiful temple. He went inside, and of course he was amazed at the beauty of the temple, but the, the contrast of that beauty with these hideous idols that were positioned strategically throughout the temple. You've probably seen some of those. Eastern idols that I'm talking about with these awful looks on their face. And he watched as those who worshipped these idols would write something on a piece of paper, and then they'd wad that paper up and mix it with some mud or some spit, and then they would throw that paper ball at an idol. And so, of course, curiosity got the best of him. He asked the guide to explain what it was that they were watching. And this is the answer that the tour guide gave. He said, these people are writing their prayers to their God. If it sticks to the statue, their God hears their prayer. If it does not stick, their God does not hear. Aren't you glad that our God, the God of the Bible, tells us in Isaiah 65, 24, he says, Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. Of course, Neil's already brought the message from the Lord's Prayer where Jesus prefaces his teaching on praying, saying to the disciples, Your Father knows what you have need of before you ask him. God is ready, eager. He takes delight in hearing and answering your prayers. So pray, pray confidently, pray faithfully, pray believing.